Hi, how's the form? Merry Christmas, one and all. We're almost there. Brian is uh, on Santa duty tonight, I think. Sa Santa duty. Uh, Colm, Marcus, how's the form? Good. Uh, I'm already at the stage of not knowing which day of the week it is. That's both a combination of the fact that it's Christmas, but also that we have NFL games seemingly almost every day of the week. We haven't quite got to Mark's bingo card of wanting a game on every day of the week, but we're we're not far off it, I think. No, yes, sir. Mark, are you? I'm good, Michael. I'm good. And um, I'd just like to say on Tuesday night, we were discussing the fact that if there were any pizza brands out there willing to sponsor the show, they would have a, a you know, engaged uh, a following from 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 this show, uh, from the production side. But it, with the week that's in it, any chocolate or confectionery brands as well, you know, we just put the ask out there because I've got my tin of nondescript uh, chocolates to entertain me during the show. That's, Mar that's Mark's daily tin. I have uh, checked the schedules tonight for Radio Television for BBC NI. There is no reason not to join us tonight, folks. Literally, there's no reason not to join us. We're presented by Trust Gaming, presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange. New offer, very quickly, on that. It's not 15 anymore, it's 20. So 18 plus gamble aware, yada, yada, yada. So happy days. Uh, Calm, liking the t-shirt tonight. You're on mute. This is like a Christmas miracle. Our friend uh, Brandon Brandon Perna um, from That's Good Sports, who sets the standard really when it comes to uh, YouTube NFL shows. I think uh, kudos to to Brandon. One of his uh, vintage T-shirts. Apparently, uh, Brandon is doing this long enough for it to be considered vintage. But Brandon is one of the few things that has made uh, watching and being uh, around Broncos country bearable over the past five years. Big game tonight, Mark. It is indeed, Michael. I mean, you know, sometimes we get to late season Thursday night games and they can be a bit depressing, shall we say. They can be a bit dire. Usually it's the Jags and Texans somewhere along the way again and you just, you know, um, want to give up on life generally. But um, tonight, I mean, we're talking about so many great games with playoff potential because of how close the games are. And tonight in both conferences, for the 49ers and for the Titans, there are big implications based on how this game goes. Um, and of course, you've got two teams going in different directions the last few weeks as well. Colin, we've got a, a great few guests coming on tonight as well. Do you want to enlighten us as to who might be coming on or maybe give us a few hints? Uh, well, we are our 49ers guest. Uh, will be somebody who viewers may recognize uh, from the our, our draft show uh, back when he he was covering that, and uh, our Titans guest is uh, a new uh, welcoming a new face uh, to the show, and there was talk of a special guest, Michael. I don't know if that's a, a Santi surprise or whether that is dependent on uh timetabling and uh him arriving but we'll, we'll have to see and uh, the surprise is not mark can i just very quickly mention this because nobody has had the uh cojones to slag me about this for the last few days that game on monday night i mean like what did i do to deserve that can we can we just put that out there very quickly like the bears like i mean come on, like i don't know what to say about that Seriously. 
Uh, Michael, I mean, don't worry, we have no problem in slagging you on multiple, multiple counts, but going to a uh, soldier field, it was soldier field, wasn't it? Or was it the Raven? Sorry, it was soldier field. So going to an historic uh, location, representing the Irish NFL show there, uh, rubbing shoulders with all the good and the great of the US media, and then watching a game that while wasn't the most exciting was live NFL football which for most people, they only get to see in Twickenham or Tottenham, depending on the season. So, no, there's nothing to slag you about that. Could have been could have been a lot worse. You could have been watching a Premier League game or something like that. Exactly, exactly. Michael, we did get a query into the show uh, the other night whilst uh, you were travelling, and it was uh, from, from our friend Owen Farrell, who wondered whether you had left your beard in the USA. So Owen will be delighted to see that, no, the beard has returned. Thank you for that, Owen. And thank you to United Airlines Wi-Fi, which could load the comments but couldn't load the video. And yes, I've seen that comment. So thank you very much. We're going to bring on our first guest here now. He's a 49ers NFL reporter with the San Jose Mercury East Bay Times. Cam Inman, a very, very warm welcome back to the show, Cam. And thank you for coming on so close to what, genuinely is a, a very very big game tonight both for both teams the 49ers and the titans yeah it is a big game we're, we're here in nashville and um 49ers only got into town just about 24 hours ago maybe even less than that their buses rolled in uh down the street so um it is a big game for them and uh but they're coming in hot one five of the last six yeah, I suppose in, in relation to that, Cam, like I, certainly on this show, we had big expectations for the 49ers before the season began. It kind of began very promisingly, uh, you know, with, with a couple of wins and then all of a sudden hit the skids for, for a time, regained form. What do you make of the, the 2021 49ers? I think uh, you're on mute there, Cam. So just just see if it's working. Uh -oh. Is it? Oh, there uh, you go. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. No, now. I'm good. No, but you, no, you cut you cut out right when you had the question. <laughs> so just what do your, I make of the the 2021 49ers. Oh, sure. I mean, they they started off, you know, they won two games, but not really convincingly, and then they went through a skid, um, and then guys got hurt, and like they George Kittle got hurt, and that takes away a lot of the offense of what you can do. Not only has a receiver, but is blocking. Um, and they were kind of finding their way. They went through that four-game losing streak, and I think that really helped them figure out what they needed to do. And offensively, that meant they needed Kittle back. They needed Debo, to also, Debo Samuel to become a receiver and a wide, re uh, a running back and a wide receiver. Brandon Ayuk woke up, got out of his sophomore slump. Jimmy Garoppolo was controlling the system the way they wanted to control. And then defensively, it was Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, Nick Bosa, and maybe somebody else will make a play here or there to offset whatever troubles they have in the uh, secondary. Well, Al Alden Key stepped up a little bit to help out Nick Bosa, but certainly with 15 sacks, I think, on the season, he's uh, outperforming as always. Um, Cam, I have to yeah. ask you, um, in Hamlet, I think it was to be or not to be. That is the question. In Santa Clara, it's very much Jimmy G, uh, to be yeah. or not to be, that is the question. Um, last eight games, his passer rating is the second best in the league, only behind Aaron Rodgers. Has that done anything to convince the 49er faithful that maybe he's still the long-term solution or is he still on the exit pathway? I mean, it's still the exit's pathway where they're still thinking, hey, the more he does, the better the trade value will go up. Because right now, 
he's established himself enough where they could probably get a day two pick for him at least. Um, obviously, they would want a first rounder, um, but that's kind of – I mean, there's no great college quarterback coming out, and there's always desperate NFL teams. So the Niners are in a good position if they want to get away from Jimmy. They don't have to. They have him under contract next year. Um, is Jimmy the type, type of guy that's going to be stubborn and say, no, you have to trade me now. I don't want to go through this again. I don't necessarily think so because he's going to get paid a lot. He's going to get paid like $25 million. Um, he knows this offense really well. And my guess is this team's going to get to the playoffs and probably win a couple of games, um, which, I mean, if he gets into the NFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, they can't let him go. It, it's simple. You can't just part with him and bring in a rookie that you gave up a lot of money for, a lot of a lot of draft capital for, excuse me. Um, you can't move off him. I mean, I you also brought him in because he gets hurt. I mean, that was the main issue was we can't go through another season with a, without a good backup. And right now the good backup is not needed. Healthy. So they still got three games to go here and then playoffs. Yeah. Uh, potentially the Joe Flacco uh, quandary yet again, if he does have such a successful run at the end of this season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And Flacco won the Super Bowl against the Niners that year. <laughs> he did. Great game for the neutral that year, to be honest with you, but we'll not focus too much on that there. Jeff Wilson is starting to win people some fantasy leagues here, Calm, to be honest with you. 110 yards in the yeah. rush last week, 56 week before. Really came into himself though last week. Can you see that maybe continuing over the last few weeks of the season, or do you think maybe some players will come back in? Yeah, well, I mean, Elijah Mitchell is going to be missing his third straight game uh, against Tennessee, uh, and that means it's another Jeff Wilson Jr. game, a JWJ game. And he had 110 yards and a touchdown um, on last game uh, Sunday against the Falcons. Um, he, he was coming off this knee injury, and the more Jeff goes, the better he gets. And, you know, they have they can mix Debo in. They can, they can do a couple other things here and there where it's not all on Jeff. But um, he's shown that he has a capability to do – a uh, hundred yard game in this offense that demands just the running backs get moving. I mean, they have a great offensive line that are, and the great schemes that Shanahan is opening up lanes for them. Um, and that's why you see so many people with success back there. Cam, I saw a great tweet, I think uh, maybe last week that said, uh, Debo's playing so well at running back, he might have to take a pay cut. Can you talk to us about uh, the dual threat? So we've, it seems to have exploded this year. We've seen Cordell Patterson and, and what he's doing for the Falcons, but Debo has been outstanding for the Niners. He's scored seven rushing touchdowns, which is something no NFL wide receiver has ever done. Uh, and he's doing it by not getting a lot of carries a game. He gets maybe, you know, I think the most he got was eight, but it's usually about four to five or something like that. But the way they use him is, he will, they will just come around the edge. Sometimes he'll line up in the backfield with Garoppolo. So yeah, he's a big bodied guy. I mean, if you, if you look at like his, his backside, right. I mean, he's, he's, he's got it and it's hard to like, he, he's ready to push through anybody. He's, he's, he's a little quirky in that he's almost always laughing. Like he, he knows he's getting away with something playing pro football and he seems to be enjoying it. And so like when he's in the open field and somebody's trying to tackle him, he's got the same Kittle mentality of, bring it on. I'm going to go through you no matter what. So, uh, but there's also, you know, playing like that exposes him to injury and he's had injuries in his career. Um, this year he missed one game with a groin, which wasn't too bad. Um, but you never know what can happen in this game. 
Yeah, he, he certainly got ju junk in the trunk, uh, if I can use the expression. Yes, there you um, go. There you go. Yes, I didn't. I didn't know what the Irish expression was. But it, it's it's pretty universal. We'll use that one. Um, okay. But Cam, actually tonight we're talking about uh, Debo rushing the ball. This is going to be a game where the rushing offense for both teams is going to be so key. And you're going up against yeah. the Titans' defense that, against the run, has been super tight. I think 43 rushing right. yards in their last two games combined, given up. And they've also run, even without Derek Henry, for over 200 yards in the last couple of games, although they haven't gone the right way for them. Um, how do you think, given the 49ers rely on the run so much to set up play action, and uh, whilst you've got a great D-line, I mean, Nick Bosa can't be everywhere all at once, how do you think they're going to find that matchup this evening in tonight's game? Well, I think the, the big run aspect you have to watch is Tennessee because Tennessee needs to run the ball a lot because they're missing so many of their offensive linemen. They're missing their left tackle, their left guard. Another guy just went out today. So they're going to be exposing Ryan Tannehill to a lot of Nick Bosa and pass rush on third and longs if they get that, if, if the running game is not working. So they need the running game to work to protect Tannehill um, against a pass rush down the road. And the Niners have Fred Warner, who did not get the Pro Bowl nod yesterday. So Fred's going to come in with a chip on his shoulder at linebacker. Uh, the safeties as well, because they don't get recognition. And um, without Derrick Henry, but it's not nearly the uh, fear factor of if Derrick Henry was back there. And then the Niners offense, I mean, everything's been so efficient and um, what they would love to do is what they did in some other big wins earlier this year that kind of got them going was have this long sustained drive that really relies on runs and then maybe a Garoppolo third and four completion and just keep moving the ball, play ball hog, get out of Nashville um, and move on to Christmas. <laughs> it's good for the teams to get Christmas over them before it starts. A very, very quick final round of questions here, Cam, because I know you have to run in Nashville. That NFC West division, not like two games out. I know there's head to heads and stuff, but the 49ers are sitting in a very good position there. What's your thoughts on, on where they might finish up record-wise in, in three or four games time? I think they will finish in the sixth spot. I think um, Arizona or LA is going to finish number five uh, in terms of the seeding, and they'll be the the top wild card. So the Niners should get the, the second wild card spot. Um, the teams that are behind them for battling for the third wild card spot, the Niners have head to head advantage on everybody except the Saints. Um, and I don't. And the Saints are going to be starting a rookie quarterback this weekend. So um, I, I I think the Niners are in really good position. Um, Three games to go. If they win one more game, they should be a lock. If it doesn't come tonight, they play. They go home and play their home finale against the Houston Texans. Uh, they should beat them handily. Um, but then it, the interesting thing is, you know, look, if the Cardinals win and the Rams are in that spot at, at five, and then you get to week 18 and that's who the Niners finish up against, that's, that could be interesting because it's, it's they could be analyzing the matchup of, uh, do they want to be the fifth seed or sixth seed? I mean, who would you go play? Would you go play uh, Tampa Bay? Uh, would you go play the Dallas Cowboys? Would you play the Cardinals or whoever the NFC West champion is? Uh, it's been, it, it's going to get really exciting here in the next month. I mean, it's not just, I love all these expressions right now. Everybody talks about December football. Guess what? This season it's mid January football, right? Because the season's going extra long. Just, uh, I suppose, you mentioned him earlier uh, a, new, a couple of times, but Nick Bosa, I mean, what a, what a season he's having. 15 sacks for, in 14 uh -huh. games. But obviously, you 
TJ Watt is having quite the season and the the rookie down in Dallas is uh doing himself uh no no harm in terms mm -hmm. of that defensive player of the, the year. Uh do you think right. that that Bosa's in with a, a a real shout of picking that up? Tonight we'll decide that. Um he has a stage to himself the bad offensive line. This is set up to be a big Nick Bosa game. And if, if he takes advantage of it, it's no longer just, yeah, he should be the comeback player of the year instead of Dak Prescott. It's, yeah, he should be the defensive player over the year over TJ Watt of a Steelers team that's scuffling, over Miles Garrett of a bad Browns team. And then Micah Parsons had a great year. Micah Parsons is the one that took Fred Warner's Pro Bowl spot. Um, but I don't think people necessarily want to give it to a rookie um, that's not going to have nearly the stat, the stat total that Nick Bosa. I mean, Bosa's stats besides uh, sack total, he leads the league in tackles for loss, quarterback hits. Um, he is a machine, and it's been a lot of fun to watch. And the fact that he's doing this uh, a year after ACL repair, uh, it, it's remarkable. But if you see the guy, like, just when I go out to practice, like even at the start of training camp, it's it's really hard to take your eyes off of seeing like a, a generational talent a guy that really works hard at his craft and his body's ridiculous. I mean, his, his, uh, his, his quads are the size of these Christmas trees behind me. It's uh, he's ready to go. And it's just, if he can stay healthy, the Niners always have a chance if he's on the field. I, I still dream of a Bosa and Watt family Thanksgiving flag football game somewhere along the way. And just to be part of that would be interesting. Wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't want to be the quarterback in that game. Let's just be clear, but uh, it would be fun one day. Um, Cam, you mentioned a little bit about the Pro Bowl and, you know, Fred Warner is a, probably a notable omission. Some of the guys that got selected aren't a big surprise. Debo getting selected, George Kittle getting selected, Bosa, you know, uh, Carl Yushak, he I mean, he gets paid more than double any other fullback, so he better get the Pro Bowl nod, to be honest with you. But are there any other 49ers other than Warner that you think might be – because, look, as fans, we don't care about the Pro Bowl as much, sure. I would say, but obviously we know the players still mm -hmm. do because it's a little bit right. of – an accolade yeah. and it can be tied to contract incentives is there anyone else on the 49ers roster you think is going out there tonight a little bit fired up a little bit annoyed that they didn't get selected i i think the fact that lake and tomlinson the left guard has had a really good year and nobody writes about guards in the bay area like you the guard is the the position that's not noticed until he gives up a sack and Lakin has not given up a sack this season. So nobody notices him. And he's wedged in between Trent Williams, the best offensive lineman in the NFL uh, and Alex Mack, a veteran who really knows the system well. So he's in a really good spot. He's had a great year. Um, other guys who probably maybe deserve some, some accolades. Uh, you know, Jimmy Ward is a really good, good free safety uh, that under the radar and, um, he just doesn't make a lot of, he had two interceptions against the Rams earlier this year where people kind of took notice of him. He's the longest tenured 49er. He's the one that likes to play with the chip on his shoulder. Um, on the defensive line, DJ Jones has had a really good year at nose tackle, but again, it's on the interior. No noticing those guys if they're not screwing up necessarily or getting a bunch of sacks and it's not his role to get sacks. Um, and Eric Armstead, somebody that they paid a lot of money to instead of, uh, instead of DeForest Buckner. So people have a grudge about Armstead as if he's the one that sent, sent Buckner out of town. It's just not the case. But he, by moving Eric Armstead inside instead of being on the edge, um, they did that after Javon Kinlaw was lost for the season. Uh, that really solidified their defensive line, too. So, I mean, those are the players to me that have had really good seasons, and they're alternates uh, for a reason. So um, not good enough. But, I mean, the way this Pro Bowl's set up now, it's like 
they take two, twice as many players because people don't want to play in it or you get mysterious ailments. And, and I, I, they got to do something to make the game more interesting. I mean, a skills competition or, or something, you know, make it – nobody wants to play in it and nobody really wants to watch uh, 80 to 75 ball game of whatever. So unless again, it's game. not in Hawaii anymore, it's even worse, but it'll be in Vegas. So. Yeah, squeak game for the Pro Bowl. That's what they should play. Oh, my God. Oh, there, there you, you go. go. Yeah. <laughs> the agents would love that. Cam, um, at Cam Inman on Twitter. Cam, really appreciate you coming on, especially ahead of tonight. Very, very best for the rest of the season. And hopefully, who knows, maybe we'll see you in SoFi in, in two months' time. Beers are in us, if so. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Cam. All the best, man. Thanks, Thanks Cam. Cam. Thanks, Cam. Great guy, Cam Inman. Great to have him on there. If you don't follow him already, follow him at Can in, Cam Inman on Twitter, C-A-M-I-N-M-A-N, 49ers reporter. Great to have a bit of 49ers. It's been, it's been a while since we've had some, some 49ers talk, isn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, obviously, a lot of talk uh, around them during the draft and the, going up to to get Trey Lance. But um, no, they, they have flown under the radar a little bit, I suppose, given the division that they're in. The Cardinals got off to kind of such a hot start. And while the Rams are being splashy uh, in terms of who they're bringing in, and you had uh, Russell Wilson stuff, and then he got injured. So do they they actually have, um, they, uh, to get to this point in the, the season, kind of flying under the radar, I imagine most teams are going to be pretty happy uh, to do that generally, uh, unless you're Jerry Jones or Stan Kroenke, you're, you're not looking for your team to be in the headlines all the time. Yeah, it's, it's funny. I think after six games this season, there were a few people on this show that might have been running off the 49ers. I seem to remember making a case for them in week seven or eight, saying, no, no, they're not out of this. They can go on a run. They can get back. And if they just get a bit of injury luck and get people back together. Is this the, is this the famous Irish NFL show, Cover Your Tracks? I'm picking this no, team, I, I've but been, I think they might have No, I, I'm saying others were writing them off. I, I was always saying that they can make it back. And as soon as, strangely enough, Kittle got back and they got their 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 lines organized and made some adjustments like cam was alluding to especially on the d-line they've looked a different team and they've looked a different team with their commitment to running the ball giving jimmy manageable third downs and he is more so than brady ever was jimmy's probably more of a system quarterback than people like to acknowledge i mean it is a very set way of playing but can he win you a game with his arm absolutely and i think it's fascinating coming into the playoffs there's the real potential of four teams who really run the ball way more than they pass it. Uh, I think of Philly, I think of Indy, and I think of the two teams tonight, the Titans and the 49ers, getting to the playoffs. And those teams can be a nightmare. Think of the Titans on their march to the AFC Championship game a few years ago because people weren't set up or designed to deal with a run-first a run first offense the same way. But when I look at those four teams, when I say today, who do I think has got the best chance to really progress? It will be the 49ers every day of the week because they don't only have the run, but they actually have a quarterback who can potentially carry them. I mean, do you trust Jalen Hurts? Do you trust Carson Wentz? I don't even trust Carson Wentz to break 100 yards, for Christ's sake. Um, and obviously with the Titans, Tannehill has proved it in the playoffs before, but he doesn't have the weapons at the moment. So if they get healthy, it's a different story. But at this point in time, 49ers, baby. Seen as well there, Colm uh, and, and Mark. Nathan Reynolds, unfortunately, uh, him and his family have tested positive for COVID. Now, I'm hearing rumours that Mark Cockrell might be hosting it this week due to his accent. Uh, are you going to be hosting the show on Sunday? Obviously, your best to Nathan and his family as well. 
um, with my English Irish bastardized version of my accent. Yeah, yeah. It's, I basically get called Aus, uh, Australian. That's, that's not swearing. Right. That's the correct use of the word. So okay. that's not swearing. Okay. Mark, Mark wasn't the only one who swore on the show the other night. To, to be fair, sure. I was jet lagged. Uh, we didn't get an apology for that one, Michael. Would you like to just bring it up again, though? I yes, I, I hereby. Ah, no, that might that might be going too far there, Mark. The um, <laughs> obviously tonight TNF Club. Here's what's coming ahead this week. We have a Christmas special. It's basically just our week sixteen preview packaged as a Christmas special. It that's it. But it's still a Christmas special tomorrow night from nine, and then Lawrence Tynes is coming on Monday night at 10 p.m. Now, I had severe jet lag, whoops, last night, and I couldn't come on. So a couple of things. First off, did anybody mention Pepsi? Please, God, somebody. I haven't watched. I have edited. I haven't watched. Did somebody talk about Pepsi? Because the Giants, and Brian's not here so we can talk about this, the Giants offered each season ticket holder a medium Pepsi for their support this year. Lawrence Tynes has beamed it as well. Uh, Colin, have you seen that yet? I I did see I saw he had changed his um his his profile picture but I had no idea what what was behind it little little did I realize uh that there was uh, a whole um Pepsi so, the times so, yeah, oh, given, oh, given the season they've had this year Michael how much alcohol are they putting in that Pepsi yeah I, I would say a bo- a bottle of Jack Daniels with your medium whiskey lads, or medium, lads, I, medium I genuinely whiskey. if I was on the show I was going to be like at the end and here I brought you a Pepsi as well Lord because I would have done it but uh but he he was he was he was really interesting it's a great interview I think um people are gonna in, enjoy it and uh he's uh de- definitely offers some some good insights and uh he i i would say mark would it be fair to say he's he's not um he's not afraid to express an opinion on the game he's not afraid to express an opinion on the game or on people he uh, encountered in the game um and there's definitely a few avenues we're gonna have to explore with him he openly said it in a in another interview we'll do with him at some stage but uh um, definitely at one point, I think we're all a bit surprised, but he, he has passionate feelings about a, uh, a certain someone who has scored a lot of points in the NFL before as well. So some of that kind of came out um, and really, really interesting guy, Celtic fan. And as we touch on in the interview, he obviously was born in Scotland. So he's from this neck of the woods and lived here. He's a Celtic fan. He's a Celtic fan, yeah. He said at 10 years old, and Colin, you brought this up, um, that 10 years old, the sportsman he wanted to be was uh, Paul McStay. Was Paul that McStay, right? yeah. So. All right, well, let's let's get the show on the road. Quick show tonight. Picks ahead of. Well, Michael, just before uh, we do. I'm joking, I'm joking. Obviously not. A couple, couple of bits of news, though. A couple of bits of really important news. So um, really just breaking the last hour or so, Cam Akers has been activated from IR after five months after doing his ACL by the Rams. I mean, A, that shows how desperate they are to have him back and to contribute the running game to their season. But B, that's an awfully quick recovery time. So it could either go wonderfully well for the Rams or this could go horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded that Kenny Kenny did something like this with Henry Shefflin. I don't know if uh, if you lads watch small ball, but uh, incredibly, Henry played two weeks after a, an ACL injury. Now, Henry Shefflin is absolutely one of the greatest hurlers of all time, but putting him out on the field was a complete dereliction of duty by that uh, management team. 
I hope that we are not seeing something similar with Cam Akers. Thanks to Brian. Uh, Brian, I think his name, yeah, for the comments saying about the Giants stuff there. Appreciate that, Brian. Thanks for joining in, watching the show. Uh, we're going to talk Titans in a couple of minutes. Um, you were talking there now about the 49ers. For me, I know the Titans lost at the week. Titans did lose the weekend, didn't they? Yeah. They've lost Titans three of the last four, yeah. Yeah, but. And they lost to the Steelers, yes, 1913. I, I, I sound like a Liverpool fan here. I think they can go on a run here. I re- something tells me they're going to go on a run last three or four weeks of the season. I really, I honestly mean it. Vrabel is like my spirit animal. So, like, just the way he goes on, like the throwing of the tiles and stuff. Um, I, I, lo- I love him. And he looks like he smokes 40 of that. He goes on like that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I love it. And I would love to see the Titans go on a run. But excited to talk about the Titans football in a minute. We've got uh, Luke Warsham coming on from A to Z Sports. Anything that we want to say about the Titans before Luke comes in? Just to get that or assistant. Well, well, I just want to add because you're bringing up Mike Rabel being your spirit animal, Michael, which is an expression I definitely didn't think I'd hear tonight. Um, just a reminder for anybody, you know, maybe newer to the NFL who doesn't know Rabel's background. I mean, he broke into the league effectively as playing with Pittsburgh, getting drafted them, trying to hang on in with them, did bits of long snapping at times. He was an emergency long snapper. Uh, and really got cut by the Steelers um, when, you know, he thought that was his dream. That was, he was destined to be one of that great steel curtain linebackers in that system. Um, obviously went to the Patriots, obviously was then dismissed as part of the Matt Castle trade. So he's um, dismissed. He was traded to Kansas City along with Matt Castle, but it felt like he was a throw-in, which was a, a terrible way to uh, deal with such a long servant. He scored 10 touchdowns as well on the only 10 receptions he ever did, including two in Super Bowls. So he really had the entire spectrum across his career in so many facets, in so many ways. And I think that's a testament to how this Titans team responds to him because he did it all as a player and he experienced it all and he's he's lived it all. And you, you see that life experience, I think, Michael, in how um, distressed he looks at times on the sidelines, perhaps. I'll put it like that. Doesn't I want to know who your coaching uh, spirit animal is now, Mark. I, I, Colm, I, I have never considered the question in a million years, but I think the, you know, the grumpiest man in, in the universe who's also really funny, Bill Belichick. There you go. Simple. Vic Fangio. No, I'm competent, Michael. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't wait to see your pick tomorrow night. Uh, just very quickly again, just to confirm that before we bring Luke on. Uh, Tomorrow night, 9 o'clock, every week 16 game. Every game, apart from tonight's game, we're going to look over. Uh, obviously, one thing that does show a considerable spanner in the works is, you probably haven't heard of it yet, COVID-19. There's a number, there's a load of players getting it at the minute. So, you know, if that does happen, just be wary of that. It might happen between now and Sunday. Really, really good slate of games come up on Sunday. And Lawrence Tynes, two, two-time Super Bowl champion, and apparently a Celtic fan, is coming on on Monday night. And yeah, that's that, that's pretty much it for me. Just obviously presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange, presented by Trust Gaming, as we wait for Luke to make his debut appearance on the Irish NFL show. Um, I, I, I see that uh, the, the Texans are without 20 players, and I think that the Saints put nine players on the COVID list today. Um, so it's um, it is going to be 
quite quite something i think uh in for some of these teams uh this weekend it could be it, it could be you know an opera you know an opportunity not necessarily for the teams but perhaps for individual players on those teams if they have a breakout game maybe they earn themselves a contract for next for next year that's the hope because um when you're looking at 20 players out oof, um well, I mean, you're saying about the Saints column, it's, it's sometimes not how many, but it's who. I mean, they've nine players out, but again, they were having enough trouble at the quarterback position this season. And now it looks like against the Dolphins, um, it's coming out recently that they're going to be starting Ian Book, a uh, complete rookie at quarterback um, this weekend, which is not ideal in any sense of the word. Um, but not only that, I think... It's interesting because, look, I'm not a massive fantasy player but or, or fan generally, but there's going to be a lot of fantasy leagues decided by COVID outcomes. Um, again, for anybody that hasn't caught the news yet, Dalvin Cook and Austin Eckler are both out this weekend. I believe confirmed as out, but they're both in the COVID-19 protocols and not expected to play. So that can have massive implications, obviously for their teams, which is the first point of call and first point of concern. But people who have rode them in fancy all year long and maybe are in the semifinals of their competition, it's suddenly blown up um, their entire existence uh, and belief in their team. So that's not a pretty side of a state of affairs. And as Michael said, uh, you know, everything can change uh, and everything can well change. I have a funny feeling some of our picks for week 16 may end up getting quite skewed. Absolutely it. not. No, th this is something that I haven't said privately or publicly yet you know i have spent hours making these stupid looking christmas picks like the cut of this but look i am not changing the picks now somebody earlier on My, michael said, michael given a uh, preview you, you should have built that uh, look a, a special preview for what you'll see on tomorrow's show tomorrow's show well th this is tonight's show as well uh, santa claus some, some presents under the tree but you know I had the Dolphins picked before the Saints went down with COVID. They're, they're the better team. They've got Same a quarterback here. for a start. Like it's it's not it's not like you know mad science here, folks. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I don't know. I don't know. Well, but we, I, we, I we will be calling out anybody that says on the show, "Oh, I'm changing my pick." That's grand, but your original pick will be there for everyone to see. So that's why it matters. I think it's funny. Uh, Fred Flunk has said, "Eve." Eve, lads, Eve Houston, how's everyone all set for Crimbo? Mark, can I get a Twitter follow? Uh, yeah, sure. I'm sure. Mark uh, absolutely, Fred. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Chiefs have 14. Got, uh, Owen's, Owen's alluding there in that comment. The Chiefs are 14, so they've 14 on the COVID list as well. Um, and the real concern is obviously we said how important these next few games are in terms of the playoff picture and how tight things are in both the NFC and the AFC, especially around the wild cards and a couple of divisional races. But what if this continues on into mid-January and you're potentially getting wild card and divisional games impacted by COVID? I wonder how movable some of those games will be and will we see a repeat of the uh, Browns Raiders situation, for example? Um, again, just in an interesting context of how COVID is affecting things, JC Tretter, who's the Brown Center, is actually the president of the NFLPA. And he was getting quite a lot of gentle, well, not abuse, but yeah, probably abuse on social and actually from some players who were casting doubt on whether 
the Browns game would have moved as easily if the NFLPA president wasn't the Browns starting center. Um, and he came back and pushed and said, basically, guys, you've no idea how close these games were to being canceled altogether. Three of them being canceled and forfeited. And he said, my job is to get players paid. Um, and if they don't play, you don't, you know, you don't get paid. Um, so it was fascinating that, uh, he was almost admitting that that was the, how the NFL were positioning it and how close it was to actually canceling those games. Now, whether he and the NFL PA got played by the NFL in terms of getting what they wanted in terms of moving our areas is a, is another matter for debate. Um, but just an interesting little side story there I saw coming up. Are we going to do this now? I, I think we should leave it for the offseason. I, 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 I genuinely I appreciate the questions and the comments, but I think we should because we're going to have seven months of nothing. Seven months of pre-recorded weekly shows, four at oh, a time. I, ca I, I guarantee there will be so much to talk about. <laughs> this is the NFL. There will be plenty. Um, but what I, what the, only, the thing I would say on that is, Obviously, we know about uh, Russell, and uh, he likes a big market. I think uh, Pittsburgh will be in play for any of the the big name QBs if they if they end up being uh, traded. If Aaron Rodgers, if and it's a big if, but if Aaron Rodgers wins MVP, and if he overcomes the the curse of the NFC North that Mark talked about the other night, and if the Packers won a Super Bowl, how? How could they let him uh, walk out walk out the door at that point uh, if he wasn't retiring? Uh, it might be Jordan Love who was walking out the door in that instance, and Aaron Rodgers gets a new contract. I think there's lots uh, of ways it could go. Um, we'll see some of the permutations and combinations play out over the next few weeks. Absolutely. Uh, so we're, we're back in a second. We've got Jeff Reinville coming on in, in a few moments. Uh, very quickly, I... I was very lucky to go to the Northwestern campus on Monday. And it was great to see what's like ahead of the game in Dublin next year. Here is how I got on. Obviously, next year, big game in Dublin, Nebraska playing Northwestern. Being in America the last couple of days, been really fortunate to go and visit Northwestern University and to really find out about its history, its culture, its tradition, and look at the trophy room, loads of different things, and it's a really, really impressive facility here at Ryan Fieldhouse. Massive game next year in Nebraska against Northwestern. We're really excited for it and we'll be there in the Aviva Stadium next August with more to follow on that there. You can sign up for information. All the links are below. I think the general sale for tickets goes in March. We're really excited to see Nebraska and Northwestern in Dublin in 2022 and we'll see you there. And thank you to Northwestern and everybody back at College Football Ireland for the help getting this together.
like that song. I would slag you about going to a nightclub after eight o'clock, but our nightclubs are closing as well. So I don't have anything to say about that. Mark, let's talk about the Titans. Yeah, I like this matchup for the Titans tonight. Don't want to give them a pick yet, but I like the matchup. I know you like the matchup, Michael. I suppose some of the things I don't like for the Titans in this is, um, look, they have had some, let's put it mildly, changes on their roster during the season. They've used already 87 players. It's the most players ever used in a non-strike season. Um, so to say they've been in flux and there's been a lot of coaching having to be done during the season is pulling it mildly. I think Cam kind of alluded to it. The big issue I see for them tonight is they're actually without Taylor Lewan and Roger Saffold. And yes, they've played in games without uh, either of them before. I think uh, Lewan's actually missed four games this, this year, but Saffold's out for his second in a row. But that's a big part of their offensive line. And because they run the ball so much, because they rely upon that powerful offensive line, that's a big risk for them. But again, in not breaking news, but key news for the Titans and for anybody watching this game, A.J. Brown was activated from injured reserve uh, today. So he is eligible to play in tonight's game. You have to think they've done that with a reason. That's a big key weapon in Ryan Tannehill's passing offense because let's face it, Without him and being so limited on weapons and maybe so limited in terms of people not fearing the run game as much, even though they've racked up yards, um, Tannehill has looked lost, see, the last few weeks. Um, and they have definitely had a late season swoon, to, to say the least. Um, I was going to quote Romeo and Juliet and the fact that Juliet swooned over Romeo and the Titans are now going through a similar swoon. But um, they need to get it right. They need to get it right fast. But bear in mind... The next six games, basically, for them, three for them, three for Indy. They only need two to go the right way for them. They need Indy to lose one and them to win one or Indy to lose two or them to win two. Any permutation works. But if two of those six go the right way, they seal the AFC South. So they've still got a little bit of wiggle room, even indeed if they lose uh, a game like tonight. The issue I see, Michael, for them in, in terms of having a feeling, I, I have a feeling Nick Bosa is going to be uh, licking his chops at going up against a QB who has taken 41 sacks. Uh, only Joe Burrow has been sacked more. And one of the issues that I feel um, for the Titans is if you get to Tannehill early, um, it just seems to kind of start a, a run on, on sacks. You can really get to them. And I think that is one of the big issues that the Titans have faced this year. And it's one of the things that I think it could really impact on, on their season. And going up against the, the 49ers and just how, uh, you know, monstrous Bosa can be and you can try double teaming him, but he still seems to, to get there. So that would be my big c concern um the the I, I really like variable i'm sure he'll come up with a game plan but um you know the the, the famous mike tyson quote everyone's got a, a plan until they get punched in the mouth everyone's got a plan until your qb is uh sitting on his backside and there's a 260 pound monster who's um coming headhunting every time he gets the ball in his hands i completely agree now, the titans of issues obviously this year were injuries but Every team has issues with injuries this year. You talked there now, Mark, at the start of the show about Cam Akers coming back. The Titans will get boys back in the playoffs. All they got to do is get to the playoffs. I mean, that's not an easy enough ask at the minute, but they should. I, I mean, they should get through now in the AFC. Surely, if they win tonight, 
Let's see if he wins that or not. I don't want to talk about it too much now because I don't want to give him a pick away. I'm conscious of that there. One thing I did want to ask you, Mark, while we're waiting on our guests here, and I didn't want to ask it at the start, but you made reference to Jimmy Garoppolo being a system quarterback. Yeah? I can see you nodding, just agreeing with that. Would you prefer yeah. to have Jimmy Garoppolo or Mac Jones a quarterback for your team? Mac Jones. Okay. Younger. Is there, any, is there any reason for no, that? Or no, just... no, Michael's very on it. He's a lot younger. He's a lot cheaper. He's still on his rookie quarterback contract, for example. So he's much more economical. If he took money and age away, like, would you rather have Mac Jones? Well, I mean, money and age are pretty important in relation to it. Otherwise, you'd say, do I want Peyton Manning to play for the Patriots or something like that? Um, no, money and age come into it absolutely in relation to it. And what I'll say is, do I think we've seen the potential ceiling of Mac Jones and the potential basement of Mac Jones just yet? Absolutely not. He's only played, what is it, 14 games in the NFL. So that's still TBD. Um, I'm going to come back to the Titans, though, Michael, because one thing we possibly haven't talked about enough. No, I'm not allowed to come back to the Titans. Okay. You want me to talk about the Patriots? All right. Um, I'm joking. On, on the Titans, um, we haven't probably, I mentioned it to Cam, but we haven't really talked about their defense enough. I mean, the stats they're putting up to just keep the Titans in the games has been stupendous. And, you know, I think the 49ers present a different challenge. But there was a lot of noise about Bud Dupree, obviously, coming over and the massive contract he got. I mean, Bud Dupree hasn't been the star of this defense in any way, shape, or form. And he got a sack last week in a very emotional return to, to the Steelers, obviously. But that was his first since week seven. The story has been about Harold Landry. The story has been the unit as a whole being greater than the sum of its parts. Um, and it is quite an impressive job. Of course, Rabel being a defensive player, um, takes great pride in that. And it, it's almost like the, uh, I said this before, it's like the NFL version of 3 and D. Um, it's run and D in the NFL. And the Titans are probably one of the best epitomes of trying to get that balance right. We're going to run the ball, we're going to drain the clock, and our defense is going to take care of you and stop you scoring sufficiently quickly against us. Um, it is a real challenge and a real serious matchup for that 49ers team, especially as people feel that, hey, yes, they do some fancy stuff from time to time in Shatton's uh, offense. Yes, Carl Yushak is an interesting and vital Swiss Army knife, but they're probably going to run on first and second down most of the times. Try and give manageable third downs and then put it in Jimmy's hands. So how is that Titan defense going to match up against it? Bud Dupree tonight as well, if you're looking for a line matchup that is classic, Dupree versus Trent Williams. I mean... Trent is still, like, he is the best left tackle in the league. For me, it's absolutely clear-cut. He is an absolute animal. And Dupree's probably going to see a heavy dose of him tonight. So I don't expect to hear his name called much, but it's more about what the rest of that unit can do and how they can manipulate the line and stop the 49ers. Well, one, one person who will be very important, Mark, and probably worth calling out is Jeffrey Simmons, who's another player who's having quite a, a year for himself in the defensive tackle position. Seven and a half sacks gets incredible pressure. We talked about him on, on this show, and we have talked about how good the Titans have been at getting pressure. But uh, Simmons is, is a guy who allowed the, the Titans to move on from somebody as ferocious as Jarrell Casey uh, without missing a beat. And uh, that, you would have to say, is an impressive feat. When you can come in and you can take over from a guy who's kind of set the standard for, for so long and been such an influential force 
um, that is uh, really impactful. And that's give kudos to the variable and to the staff there for being able to do that. But I think he will be really important because, as you said, they're not, I don't think they're going to get too much change out of Trent. I mean, Trent is at this point, especially this year, you would have to say, we talk about Aaron Donald being the best player in his position by the proverbial country mile. Trent is absolutely the best in his position by the country mile this year. I know, I know we've mentioned that a wee bit as well, but just to confirm, obviously, if you are watching this tonight, lads, and you're trying to get those Titans going, uh, AJ Brown has been activated off injured reserve. Uh, he was an IR for, I think it was like a like a chest injury or something, but there's, there's been no issues this week in practice. And he's back tonight. Like, Mark, that's that's a huge plus for this Titans team that are trying to get over the hump. Yeah, abs- absolutely, Michael. I think you just dropped off when I was mentioning that bit, actually, because it's it, it gives a new weapon to Ryan Zanahill there and hopefully evolves their their offense. Um, I mean, the, the interesting for me thing for me, and I was just thinking about this earlier, last week the Steelers did nothing. Let's face it. I think they got 160 yards against the Titans, right? And one of the things I've wondered about is, but is how much speed is there in that Steelers offense at the moment? There's Deontay Johnson, but there's not a lot really from the tight end position, from the fullback position, from the running back position, and certainly not the quarterback position when you think of the Steelers. Tonight, the challenge for the Titans might be around that speed on both sides of the ball. A.J. Brown gives them a speedster on the offense to hopefully stretch that 49ers defense. We've talked that the D-backs for the 49ers had some problems understanding defensive pass interference earlier in the season, which they seem to have been coached up a little bit more. Can AJ potentially give them options to exploit some of that? But on the defensive side, you're talking about Debo Samuel and Brendan Ayuk. Um, their speed to burn in relation to it in the first instance. And let's face it, George Kittle is probably the fastest tight end in the NFL as well. I mean, he's faster than Kelsey or Gronk or anybody like this. He is he's an absolute animal. So it's a different type of challenge um, that the 49ers present them this evening. Um, so, look, fascinating game uh, ahead, and we're obviously going to see how that matches up. But I'm really interested to see that balance and that battle between the 49ers' offense and the Titans' defense in particular. Have you anything to add more in the Titans' column, or have you exhausted yourself already? Well, just to to say, I suppose, uh, you know, just talked about, obviously, the number of sacks that Tannehill has taken. The 49ers have 36 sacks on the the season. So um, they're they're just about in the, the top 10 in the NFL. And if you're a top 10 unit going up against uh, a bottom two unit, uh, that's generally fa- favorable. So I think that's going to be really important. That Yeah, Mark points out the, the speed, um, and that will be key. And, and look, this is a league where we know speed kills, but it's the the ability, sacks change games completely. And if if they're able to, to do that t- tonight to disrupt it, I mean, there's a huge difference from, you know, uh, third and three or third and four and third and 12 there it's all the the difference in in the world there uh, I, I suppose it, it's another one tonight and maybe um where we see we're we're taught you know uh, i know um cam said earlier about like we're now talking about middle of january football but we are into the last month are we going to see teams take even more chances? This has been a season where we have seen all the talk about analytics um, and uh, 
though I I, I, um, I think it was um, the or the Colts um, athletic writer who was talking earlier about like athletics only get the featured when it, teams make a bad decision or don't execute uh, when they actually use analytics and they get it right it doesn't get talked about but I'm wondering if we're going to see teams go for it more on fourth down than even earlier in the year. One guy, Mark, that we've had on in the, uh, I, I can't think of a fancy Mark Cockrell word for the beginnings with the uh, the embers, maybe, of the Irish NFL show the was... Inception. The, the, the Inception was, uh, OL Alex Mack. Yeah. I already got the vibe off him at the time when he came on to us that he was going to retire. He just seemed like a man that was done. He was happy. He was content with his career. And he, he's... He's been born again in San Fran. Like he's an, he think, he think he's an he's, he's an alternate for for the Pro Bowl as well. So he could he could get to the Pro Bowl tactically, depending on who gets there. Um, yeah, he's really I, turned it around, hasn't he? Well, yeah, and to be honest with you, it's funny. I think we had a conversation um, offline after we'd interviewed Alex, and you you said that to me, and I was kind of like, I'm not sure. I wonder. Was, he kind of still saw some embers burning away at him, um, some fire still in the bed. I mean, like he's had an amazing career, obviously initially with the Browns, kind of coerced his way out there with a poison pill contract, which was a nice bit of maneuvering by his agent. Um, and then the great run in the Falcons with uh, Matt Ryan, obviously, uh, going to the Super Bowl with them and everything. He, you know, he's been a top-class center for so many years. There was just that little bit of a question of like, okay, has it been too many years? Uh, you know, is it too long? Um, but Cam actually earlier on alluded to it. It's not just that he solidifies that center position. When you think of that whole left side of the line there, Lake and Tomlinson, which he called out, has been a top-notch guard um, for the 49ers, but been a top-notch guard for a couple of years. So you've got Mack, Tomlinson, Williams. There is a reason that the 49ers predominantly rush to the left side of their line. It's because you've got three absolute beasts, but also absolute technicians there in relation to it. And that maturing even with uh, a quarterback like Jimmy G, it just reassures the whole operation there, I think. So, no, Alex was a great guest as well. Great to talk to an Irish girl, if I remember correctly, from um, Rath Farnham. So, yeah. Much but, love but, but the thing also, Mark, to remember is he grew up in California and, and he played at Cal. So this is a guy who, you know, maybe going home, revitalized and re-energized him i mean that can be a a, a big factor as well you, if you get the opportunity to go back and maybe he's wanted to go back for some time and then the the bay area presents itself yeah you could see how as a as a player that might be that feeling of of comfort and uh you know you've got family and friends around again all of a sudden you're not maybe uh traveling and uh li- you know living out of a suitcase even when you're supposed to be feeling at home that can definitely have an impact absolutely uh jeff should be coming on if he doesn't come on it's because he's in hawaii um and his phone reception is actually not as bad but he might not have any battery left in his phone i can tell you right now if he does or not michael being in hawaii is a good enough excuse just in it is indeed so if, if jeff if jeff does come on we'll uh we'll keep this on hold but we'll we'll, we'll try and roll through it anyway and see the crack have you got a point to make sorry mark first or... i know it's just michael you kind of i'm realizing and thinking already about our guests for the off season and i think from our trip to to tottenham i keep wanting to say wembley but our trip to tottenham i think everybody knows i have a, a little bit of a man crush on mike gazicki 
Um, so we're going to work on him. But now I've just realized that we'll have to try and get your spirit animal, um, Mr. Vrabel, on the oh, Irish. I'd love to, I'd love to have Vrabel on. I, I would love to have him on. Um, just, just very quickly as well, I may have let out a noise when Nagi the overnight took the flag and just went. I I basically started roaring laughing, in a, in a and everyone was quiet around me and I, I had to put the head down like and um, Fred Flunk, thank you for the questions on the Cowboys. We'll try and incorporate them into a Friday show, which is a Christmas special. We're gonna go through every game week sixteen. Right now, presented by Matchbook Betting Exchange, unless Jeff Reinbold comes in, we are gonna make our picks ahead of tonight's game, which sees the eight and six San Francisco santa clara 49ers go up against tennessee titans nine and five i don't know why i thought the titans had a better record than that but they don't have you got calm well we've talked a lot i suppose about the strengths and maybe some of the weaknesses of the the teams i think it's one where momentum plays a role and uh, I know I saw Stephen O'Rourke uh, tweeting that uh, he was up all night reading a 3,500 word piece about momentum. And ultimately, the author of said piece decided, Meh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. I, I do think momentum is going to play a, a factor in this. I also think um, that the ability of the Niners to get to Ryan Tannehill is going to, to factor because I don't think that the teams fear the, the run game from uh, the Titans. And I think, therefore, um, they kind of go all in to, to stop Tannehill. I think that's what you'll probably see the Niners do. And we've talked about the the options that they have. If you ha- When you have a good tight end, that's a huge outlet for any QB. When you have an outstanding tight end who not just likes to cash passes, but he loves to block, that is such an extra string to your bow. And for that reason, I'm going to go with the the Niners to, to win this and to go to nine and six. I do think Vrabel will make it interesting. Undoubtedly, his teams always play hard. Um, but I think it's going to be down to the last two games for the Titans to really kind of um, get it sorted out before the, the playoffs. But I think they, these Niners are surging and I think they will continue to do that. Brian, Brian has picked the 49ers. Hey, uh, and Mark, it's your turn to make a pick. Yeah, um, uh, I've, I feel for Steve O'Rourke, by the way. I read that same article on momentum, um, and at the end of it, I concluded it's a bit like water can sometimes be hot and sometimes be cold. It was uh, a little bit of um, uh, an interesting read, uh, <clears throat> he says politely. But um, tonight's game, you know, there's one angle that we haven't talked about that could have an impact. We do have a West Coast team traveling across country for a Thursday night football game. Um, and obviously we've talked, you know, before about the recovery times between Sunday night games and Thursday night games and, you know, the impact on players. When you add in the jet lag, you add in the cross country travel that's involved in relation to it, that does have an impact. I mean, the record of West Coast teams traveling for a 1 p.m. kickoff time on the East Coast is quite noticeably poorer. So um, whether that has an impact on the 49ers this evening, 
you know, that that's not something to be completely discounted. But I think, and I probably pre prefaced my pick a little bit with some of the comments earlier on, I think you can't defeat and ignore the fact that the 49ers have started clicking. They've got their formula on defense. They've got their formula on offense. Um, and they have playmakers to beat the band. And yes, Colin said it, and we're making the point about their speed. Speed does kill in the NFL. And no one so far has had a sufficient answer for Debo Samuel. No one can find an answer for George Kittle. Um, we saw it a little bit with that Ravens game you were at, Michael. It was like everyone knew who's Huntley going to rely upon. Well, he's going to clearly rely upon Mark Andrews. He's the most reliable receiver in it. Did that stop them being able to hook up? Absolutely not. Well, until the two-point conversion, which really counted. But for the most part, um, it was uh, it, it was unstoppable. I think Kittle is very similar. I don't think you can stop him. I think you can only hope to limit the damage in relation to it. This Titans defense is designed and has coalesced over the season into an absolutely impressive unit. But I worry about the Titans' ability on offense to keep up, even with the return of AJ Brown. Um, you know, Julio Jones last week getting one target. It's this clearly coming back to health. Um, so for all those reasons combined, I'm, you know, sticking with my SC boys, a uh, number of friends in the Santa Clara area, uh, and I'll be on the 49ers to give them a Christmas treat in advance of Santa's arrival. There's your quote of the week for your drinking game. I have a number of friends in the Santa Clara area. I like that one. Um, thank you very much for your pick, gentlemen. And thank you for Brian for making that comment about Jimmy G and Colin. Um, I've written this down because I really believe in this pick. I write every pick down, but I've written this one down, especially for this week. Uh, I think it'll be a close game this uh, this week. I, I think it'll it'll not have the over. I think it'll be the under. I don't know what the over underline is. Sorry, matchbook. But um I was concerned. I didn't like I'm not gonna lie to you, I didn't see a lot of the Titans leaders game because it was obviously at the game in Baltimore. But what I seen of it, it was concerning. You know, they need to get AJ Brown in this game tonight. I know he's coming off an injury. Can he shoulder the load enough? Can he ensure that he is the main guy for this team tonight? If he can, and he can get the ball spread around a bit, the defense needs to do his job for the Titans. I genuinely think the concern for the 49ers is what you said, Mark. I think it's going to be traveling. Um you know, an, an East Coast trip on a short week. The only positive these boys have tonight, regardless of the result, is they're going to have their Christmas dinner on Sunday, when everyone or Saturday, and everyone else is, is eating for Sunday. Uh, if the Titans, the Titans need to start looking right very quickly. You've got three games left. This is a massive game for them. They have to win this game. I think this is going to be a sloppy Thursday night football game. Not a lot of rushing yards, and I'm going to make a very, very bold production prediction right now. I am picking George Kittle to go under 60 yards receiving tonight and we have a guest here so we're gonna bring him in very quickly i can see him laughing at that already there he is uh, i'm picking the titans i'm picking the titans uh jeffrey who, my who man tonight? who i got in the game tonight yeah you know this is a this is a nasty one because the 49ers are playing really good the text the titans rather struggling but I, I took the 49ers in my in my weekly wager with Neil because I got to take some risk, man. No risk, get no biscuit. Exactly, exactly. Jeff, I, I presume we have you for maybe eight to ten minutes, but how is Hawaii treating you? Obviously, rumors, are, are you coming back soon? 
What's well, the I'm, I hope to be back next week. Uh, can you send a message? I know you guys are really connected, right? Can you get to 10 Downing Street and tell Boris to not do anything with the travel for a couple of weeks yet so I can get home? We're gonna we're gonna leave that one in Michael's capable hands, Jeff. Uh, Mike, <laughs> Michael gets everything figured out, so I I have no doubt he can. Uh, he I'll can give Boris a shout, Jeff. Thanks, that call. Really appreciate that. Just, I, I, I is Michael the fixer? Oh, he to absolutely. He can get anything sorted. Anything you need, Jeff. Send Michael an I message, and it'll get it'll get taken care of. Um, well, it's real simple. Just get me on an airplane so I can get over there. There, there you go, Mick. There's uh, one job, and he'll get he'll get that sorted, Jeff. But Jeff, right. I, I am I am interested in we're coming we're coming towards the end of the season. I suppose the MVP race is really kind of coming into to focus now. Up to now, as Mark points out, it's ordinarily in the league, it's the most valuable quarterback. And this year, the talk is around Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, the guys have been around forever, but outside of the QBs. There's Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor. Can, do you do you think that it it might go outside, or do you think that it deserves to to be a quarterback yet again? Well, you know what? To be honest with you, fellas, I, I don't really have a lot of use for those kinds of awards because what I think they turn into is beauty contests for quarterbacks, and you know, it's it's. If you say the most valuable player, you're making it really difficult to pick a guy because who's to say who's the most valuable player to their team in the National Football League? Obviously, the quarterback, because he's behind center, he handles the ball on every play, yada, yada, yada. However, when you look at the most outstanding player, right, now you're talking about a completely different animal. And I, I think you got to really go some to, to – you know, surpass what Cooper Cup's been able to do for the Rams. And Jonathan Taylor almost single-handedly won that game last week. Now, obviously, you know, he, he gets a lot of help from that offensive line. But, fellas, let me just say this. That run he had, the 63-yarder at the end of the game, there were two guys unblocked in the hole. And one of them is Donta Hightower, who's a great tackler, and they couldn't get him on the ground. And that, to me, was an unbelievable football play. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, the other one was Devin McCourty, and neither of them landed a finger on him. And thanks ever so much for bringing up that painful memory already. Well, but uh, Well, you know uh, what, man? If they were, I, I'm telling you, if they were playing flag football, they wouldn't have got his flag either. No. No, it was a great, it was a great it was a great run. I'm so happy for Colts fans. Um, but Jeff, on a serious note, obviously the Pro Bowl rosters came out um, this week, and one of the things that always fascinates me. And sorry, we haven't talked to you on this show since uh, the Grey Cup, so apologies to you and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. But congratulations on a fantastic season to to get to the Grey Cup uh, there again. So our commiserations, but congratulations at the same time. Um, I appreciate that, fellas. But um, when it comes to the Pro Bowl roster, one of the things that always fascinates me is, you know, the, the, the special teams focus. So there's not only all the return specialists and the kickers and the punters and stuff, and the usual faces turn up. Justin Tucker got selected, not a massive surprise. Um, things like this. But I always love the extra special space given to one special teamer. So Matt Slater for the Patriots has got it many years on the FC side. But this year... JT Gray 
getting it for the Saints. And that's not a name, it's not a player that people would have seen very often or talked about very often, but you're a special teams coach. What is it that makes him stand apart or those players that get those nods stand apart from the rest of the players that play wholeheartedly on special teams? Well, the average fan and the average pundit, they they couldn't tell you who JT Gray or even Matthew Slater is, most of them. And the reality of it is the football teams that prepare each week and the football coaches that prepare every, you know, every week to try and win a game in the National Football League, they know exactly who those guys are because they are game changers. They are guys that, whether as a returner or a uh, coverage guy, that they can change the field position in a game quickly. And you have to know where they're at all the time. You have to game plan against them just like you have to game plan against Nick Bosa and you have to game plan against all the great players in the league. Excuse me, fellas, a truck going by, you know, and, and the thing that's important to realize about the kicking game, if you take Matthew Slater, for example, or you take any of the guys like that, they're involved in huge field position change plays every time they go out on the field. Right now, now, for example, you may be a first down backer, a first down linebacker, which are, you know, that's those are the way the game has evolved. And the play that you're involved in might be six or eight yards or two yards or no yards. But when you go out to cover a punt, you're talking about minimally, minimally 40 yards of field position change. And when you look at the game from that standpoint, and I'm going to tell you something, guys, right now, and I am not, I'm, I'm passionate about this. The game never changes. They can fuss around with the rules and pass interference and the no chuck zone and quarterback, protected quarterback, all the crap all they've done. But the game is still a field position battle, right? And it will always be that way. And if you get, if you win field position, most of the time you're going to win the football game. And those guys control field position. Yes, sir. Jeff, I'm, I'm not going to, I'll try and get a quick round from each of us here and then we'll let you go and surf in Hawaii until your show later on. But um, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the, the, the specifics of Urban Meyer. I'm not here for that. We're not here for that. Trevor Lawrence, though, as a quarterback, do you think he has it in him or do you think he'll come back next year and, and progress well through the league? Because he, he has had setbacks this season with what's, with what's been on in Jacksonville. Michael, I think that when you look at those young quarterbacks, and I think Fields is another one, uh, you know, I, 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 you look around and, and you look at what's going on with those guys, and yes, they're talented enough, but you can see how damaging it can be when they have to play too soon, when the expectations of playing, you know, I, I can't even describe to you guys the the complexity of what they're asked to do. They have to know every pass protection, where to put it, get in and out of plays. I mean, and they're seeing coverages that they've never even seen before. Like you play college football, you're going to see five or six coverages in a game. You know, in the NFL, you're going to see 18 or 20 and they, and all the disguises. And then it's, everything's being done by players who are way, way better than anything you've played against before. You may have, yes, played at Clemson, and played at you know Ohio State where you play against good competition. But let me tell you something, 2% of the college players ever even sign a professional contract, 2%. So you're, you're going out there on Sundays now playing against grown men 
who are the best in the world at what they do. And so the, the competition level is just so incredibly high. I really feel for Justin Fields and I feel for, for, for Lawrence also because they got into situations with bad football teams and bad coaching and they're asked to you know, be the saviors of a franchise. That can, that can set a quarterback back his entire career. I think Sam Darnold's experienced that. You know, again, Josh Rosen's experienced that. Now, those guys may have been misses. You can say, well, they were misses in the draft, but they were they were well thought enough, thought about enough that multiple people had him go on his first round draft choices. So, you know, the environment you're put in as a rookie player is really important. I hope for both of those young guys that, you know, they'll be able to overcome what they've experienced. You know, the young kid with the Jets is in the same situation that they'll be able to overcome those things and that they don't turn into the next, you know, Josh Rosen or Mitch Trubisky or so many of the guys that we've seen play way too soon. Jeff, maybe piggy, piggybacking on that, on those last couple of uh, questions. And I can, I can say this cause Brian isn't here. I can talk about the Eagles. I don't know if you saw the game the other night, the Eagles O-line was phenomenal. They were absolutely incredible. They bullied Washington's uh, front who've been decent this season. Uh, and, and I think having that O-line is so important in terms of field position and in terms of protecting your young QB. I'm just interested um, in terms of your take on this season. Have there been teams that have really impressed you with their, their O-line play? Yeah, there have been. And, you know, obviously you look at Indianapolis, that's one that you'd say, man, they've got a great offensive line. The Browns have been outstanding when they've been healthy. But the Browns have been battling the COVID situation and the injury situation all season. You know, the Packers, nobody ever talks about the Packers offensive line. But I think certainly, uh, you know, they're one of the best in the league. Obviously, having Aaron Rodgers there helps. Um, You know, here's what, to me, when you look at an offensive line, and that may be the hardest place to really rebuild a football team. You look at the Bears. The Bears have tried for a decade and a half to – fix their offensive line can't do it jets can't do it um you know the patriots offensive line plays way 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 above you know they punch way above their weight in terms of what their talent level is now getting brown back really helped them but you know you're seeing guys play at the patriots that are playing way above their skill level and that's because they're extremely well coached i mean they are extremely well coached so those are the teams that step out to me. San Francisco's got a great offensive line as long as they're running the ball and, and you know, using play action. They're not such a great offensive line when they have to drop back and throw it. I like Tampa Bay's offensive line, you know, the Cowboys. There are a number of good ones. But what's amazing to me, Colin, and, and this is the thing that's shocking in the National Football League, that you see teams, the Bears is one, the Jets is another, the Giants is another uh, where they just, for whatever reason, cannot seem to get five guys together that are good enough to protect the quarterback and run the football, you know. And then you watch Indianapolis take, you know, when 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 Chris Ballard went to Indianapolis as the general manager, they were garbage in the offensive line. I mean, they got almost got, you know, almost got uh, luck killed and and. He said, we're going to fix the offensive and defensive lines. And he went about and did it. 
And that's the mark of a great general manager. I think that might be the death knell of Ryan Pace because they can't fix the offensive line. Denver's been trying so hard for years to fix their offensive line. I think they're close, but you know, again, Denver's got some issues and Mike will tell you this. I'm sure as a, as a, you know, he's got a red t-shirt, I mean, an orange t-shirt on under that, what he's wearing today, but you know, they, they are, they are struggling on offense. They're good enough on defense. They should be a playoff team on defense and because they can't score, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, just to, just to echo that, Jeff, it seems like the Bears' uh, offensive line constantly thinks that their quarterback is sleeping with their sister because they're trying to get him killed on a regular basis. But uh, um, mir- mirroring what you said, actually, the Pats, interesting, Brown came back and he's now playing right tackle, and you called out the Packers, and they're doing it, having lost Lindsay in free agency to the Chargers and doing most of the season without Bakhtiari, uh, and then losing Elton Jennings and Billy Turner as well. So that patchwork, I mean, it is impressive to still be performing at that level in that regard. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that's you make a really, really good point, and it's kind of an interesting segue. There are places in football, in the game at the highest level, at the pro level, where coaching is really, really, really important. And the offensive line is one of those areas. A great offensive line coach, if, if I was going to get, if I was, going to take a job today as a head coach in, the, in pro football wouldn't be the defensive coordinator the offensive coordinator be my first hire I, i'd go out and find me the best offensive line coach i could find and the same thing's true on the other side of the ball everybody talks about the defensive coordinator you better have a defensive line coach that knows how to get guys to the passer and those guys are worth their weight in gold you can find a million running back coaches a million receiver coaches but finding great line coaches, that's not easy to do. Yeah. Je- Jeff, um, there's a Premier League manager in the past who gets quoted way too often on this show, but he had a great expression about when the games really matter. He called it squeaky bum time. And we are definitely in the NFL at squeaky bum time with only three games ready to go in the season. And there's the races in the AFL, AFC and the NFC for those three wildcard spots are so tight. I mean, whether it's league parity, whether it's the crazy season we've had, or whether it's the extra wildcard spot, it's genuinely so fascinating this year. I have to ask while we have you, a couple of weeks out, who have you got taking those slots in those races? Well, I tell you what, let me just say this. Somewhere uh, at Park Avenue in New York, 220 Park Avenue, there's a boardroom, and all the all the strategy guys with Harvard degrees and Yale degrees and, you know, all this, they're high-fiving each other around the table because this is exactly what the NFL wants. They want this kind of competition right down to the wire. And I, I look at it, I think Dallas is going to win the NFC East. I think the AFC East is going to be the either the Bills or the Patriots. The allure of the surf was too much. The Hawaii mobile network broke down when he was talking about the Patriots winning the AFC East. What can I say? Um, well, exactly. It just broke the internet. I think Jeff's phone is gone. I think it's Deb's going to text me here now. Uh, hey, all good. Don't worry. 
No, it's great, um, it's great okay. to hear him. I'd love to have gone him on record as to who he wants sees coming into those those three slots, but he may, you know he makes the absolute point. This is exactly what we may never know. <laughs> no, but I mean, but he's absolutely right. This is exactly what the NFL wanted. Week eighteen is meaningful. The seventeen weeks, every single week is meaningful. It's perfect for him. It's absolutely it perfect. Uh, well, Mark, Merry Christmas, Colin, Nalikana, Hana, show. I was told Shona in school by my Irish teacher. No. Not like Hannah. 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 Right. Anyway, that's us for tonight. Uh, hi to Brian watching from somewhere home. I'll see you soon. Just a reminder, that Christmas music is a disgrace. Um, Christmas Eve, 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Christmas special, 9 p.m. Lawrence Tynes on Monday. Every game will be picked. And my God, I tell you what. There are some absolute doozies of picks. You don't want to miss it tomorrow night. I'm telling you now, unbelievable picks. Hey, boy, see you tomorrow night. Nine o'clock, yeah? Yeah, looking forward to it. Enjoy the game yeah. tonight. Good night. Keep her, keep her country. Good luck.